We were just talking about this, and Chelsea's been on vacation for some time, so she kind of missed this story. On June 24th, in the city of Surfside, Florida, a 13-story condo, one arm of the entire condo collapsed in the span of a couple minutes. Oh. Now, as of the recording of this, 36 people have been confirmed dead. About 140 oh people are still missing. They're very reluctant to declare anybody else dead, but they've been in rubble for over 12 days. So this is just, it's not the video of it. They do actually have video of the collapse. I, who was videoing the collapse of a building? I couldn't tell you that. Would you get so lucky? Whoa. Yeah, an entire portion of the video building. record collapse. Yeah, the collapse is that you can find the collapse. I'm just having trouble finding that video right now, despite the fact that it would was they have everywhere known to record that. My guess is it's security footage. Oh, I see. Like, and, release um, that. as of Sunday, July 4th, they had collapsed the remainder of the building so that they would be able to get into other areas and search. And also because Florida was about to get hit by a this is the rest of it. This isn't the controlled part. Oh, okay. It's like, this doesn't seem like... And yeah, this is a fairly significantly sized building. Like, just in one wing of it, there are over 150 people that are either missing or dead. It's a fairly big tragedy, and nobody really knows at this point what happened. They were set to have repairs worked on in the coming year, because Florida has a law that you need to inspect buildings after 40 years of standing. And this building was built in 1981. So this was the 40th year and they were set to have repairs. A report was made a couple years ago that said there was significant damage to concrete that it was made out of as well as the rebar within. However, nobody specifically knows at this point what happened in this collapse. There are a lot of speculations and we're just going to wait and see because it's very interesting. That's terrifying. Yeah, there's a lot of worry that there's a lot of construction around that time that's just failing. And the entire, not just the U.S., North America has a dating infrastructure. And this is just one part of infrastructure is where you live. Mm -hmm. And one thing I found very interesting is last year, Strata Insurance, at least what we call condos in BC, Stratas, insurance to insure the entire building that you would get with the condo board everybody pays through their fees went up 50 percent in one year because actuary calculations seem to be preparing for something i'd be curious to see if the same thing was going on in florida and if they're preparing for more collapses or at least major repairs that need to be done there was just a big thing and i shouldn't really be talking about it right now because i can't remember what it was where they weren't insuring certain type. Was that it? They weren't insuring certain types of buildings. They weren't insuring some stratas too. At first, I can't remember why, but there is a huge controversy about it that they just couldn't have insurance. Yeah, that's uh, and if you could get insurance, they upped your premium by fifty percent in one year, which for an entire strata building is a significant amount. But we'll see what happens with this in the coming weeks and months, because there's going to be some interesting info, at least about this one particular building and what happened, as well as if there are other structures that are built around the same shoddy workmanship. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see. That's awful, though. Yeah. And with that, let's get into something that's a little more fringe. Cue the intro music. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome to Journey to the Fringe. We are going in a bit of a different direction today and talking about a genre that we really haven't touched on too much up until this point. And that is, I want to say paranormal, but it's not paranormal. It's it's the ghosts. And I mean, it spirits. kind of is. I don't know what But also, it's be. a different sect of the paranormal. Yeah. And I guess we'll quantify it at the end, maybe, if we remember that at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. And this, I've been very upfront with Chelsea about this. This is something that has just never piqued my interest too much. But at the same time, it is a fringe topic. It is something that a lot of people like. So I think it is to you, the fans, in our best interest to do some research on it and to tell you a little bit about it. On Chelsea, at so, least. Yeah. So on this episode, I'm doing the Warrens. So Ed and Lorraine Warren. And Taylor, if I were to ask you about Ed and Lorraine Warren, what's do you have a reference for them, if anything, that you would know them from or anything at all? Um, Amityville Horror. Yeah. That's it? That's that. I think they're involved in The Exorcist too, but I can't remember. Not Not the sequel to The Exorcist. The Exorcist as well. But I can't remember that one for sure. Also, I know they are shrouded in controversy. Yeah. So I'm going to touch on that a little bit. I knew they were shrouded in controversy a little bit before I even looked into this. But I actually know what and why or how up until looking into this. I know that my first knowledge was actually Lorraine Warren on watching tv shows like i really like paranormal state for some reason i like those stupid paranormal shows and scariest places on earth she was on it and she appears on a lot of those shows as a sidekick i guess not an expert so i really feel like she would be an expert you would bring on i mean let's get to the end of this and see what we think about her being an expert but no she was brought on a lot of tv shows as like a paranormal uh, like medium. So, um, so let's get more specific. So they're paranormal investigators and authors. And oh, Ed Warren, Edward Warren Miney lived 5th of December, 1926 to the 23rd of August, 2006. So he's been passed away for a little bit now. And he was a self-taught and professed demonologist. So no PhDs here. He also gave lectures on the topic of demonology with no apparent background other than being a Catholic. And Lorraine worked alongside Ed and was a clairvoyant, sorry, clairvoyant medium. That's the word I was looking for. And Lorraine Rita Warren lived the 31st of January, 1927 till April 18th, 2019. So she just passed away recently within the last... I guess that's three years. So both are from Bridgeport, Connecticut, where Ed lived in a haunted house where his lifelong fascination with the paranormal started. And the two met in 1944 at a theater in Bridgeport where Lorraine would often go with her mother and Ed worked there and he sees her and makes contact with her and they begin dating then. I do like your use of the term makes contact for them starting to date. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I'm also sad because it really does seem like this is an industry you got to be born into, or at least into a haunted house. So we're kind of out of this one. It's really strange. It's really strange how this like takes a turn. And I don't know how you would get into this nowadays. It's just like, 
I wasn't expecting how this comes along. Shortly after they begin dating, Ed enlists into the Navy, and a year later, he's deployed for a short four months before his ship is sunk in the North Atlantic. And then he returns home for 30 days on survivor's leave to get married in 1945. Ed then concludes his service serving in World War II, and they have a daughter named Judy in 1951. Now, are their kids still alive? Yes. Okay. I don't know that I actually make mention of what she's doing now, but maybe remind me. I'll try and remember. So I wasn't expecting this one. So later this year in 1951, (laughs) which is a big year, Ed then goes to art school in Yale's art subsidiary called the Perry Art School. He withdraws after two years and the family hits the road, setting up pop-up stands around the area where they're from in Connecticut. They start to sell Ed's paintings, which are mostly of haunted houses. Wasn't expecting that he went to art school. It was kind of a strange turn. To so paint he's an haunted artist. Houses. Yeah. That's kind of a niche. I don't know if you necessarily it's a get very that big kind of niche. education in art school. Yeah, I actually don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's why he dropped out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've learned I all I can about my niche. Yeah, they didn't. I don't know. And so... I don't actually know what these paintings would look like. And yeah. no, I, I can't actually didn't sure that necessarily to see either. if I could find them. Yeah. He's a- ahead of what schooling they could give you. Kind of like how Bill Gates dropped out of university because he couldn't take like computer sciences. Like he got everything he could out of it. And that was it. I've come as far school is going to teach me about haunted houses. So now I have to self-teach. If you Google it quick, there's actually some on the internet. You can look. Interesting. I'm here again, for some reason, the couple would research houses that they believed to be or heard were haunted. And Ed would stand outside of the house and paint slash draw the house, depending on what medium he had readily available, I guess, which is how their investigation career began. He would use this as so he would sit outside the house and draw it. And then he and Lorraine would go to the house to use this as a way to get into the house. They'd be like, hey, here's this painting I did of your house and get into the house to start investigating it. That really were they invited into the house or was he like distracting the owner so that Lorraine could sneak in the back? (laughs) I didn't make it sound like that, though. (laughs) I can see how you did that. (laughs) No, they would essentially like vampires be like invited in okay By so we really this, can't confirm or deny whether or not the warrens were vampires because they were always invited in yeah they were being invited in the two start getting a name for themselves by doing this and they start becoming well known in the paranormal community and they do eventually start giving lectures at high schools by doing these lectures people would start contacting them and sharing their stories which then they wouldn't have to be doing I guess as much research on what's haunted and what's not haunted and then sketching to get into the houses oh man um, so his painting career kind of dwindled so, once they became well known no I longer had say. to use it to get inside i don't know though wouldn't okay. assume so this kind of went off in a different direction both are devout catholics and ed eventually was recognized as the only catholic lay expert in demonology And you can definitely tell this in all their investigations, which I'll kind of get to in a little bit here. Literally, everything is a demon 
to them. Nothing else. It's just all demons. And it does say that they do exist for the sheer purpose of opposing God. So there's a lot of Catholicism in everything that they literally everything that they do. And they also attest that demons possess those that lack faith. Coming from the New England Society for Psychic Research, it says for the past 50 years, religious authorities have consistently turned to Ed and Lorraine to control some of the most profane outbreaks of diabolical phenomena in the country. Which I don't um, know why they go to him just, or anything. I mean, he is self professed. They just did. Okay. Now, yeah. this might be further than you could look when he says that he believes that possessions are because of a lack of faith does he ever say a faith in what god. like god okay so it's very everything that they say directly is linked with catholic church and a belief in god okay so it is very much so just a western look at things because that would <laughs> not explain why somebody in india wouldn't get possessed per se or at least why they have different experiences. I want to comment on this, but I can only... It's outside. Yeah, it's outside of this, and I can only kind of give my thought on this after reading about them, but I just have my thoughts that they would fit it into this small little box that they have um, okay. on their outlook of what this is. Because literally everything is a demon. Yeah, you would think that if you're in a country with a lower rate of Christianity, then you would immediately have... Sorry, a lower rate of Abraham faiths let's say because those all believe in the same god more or less so they have a faith in mm -hmm. one part of the god but in a place like india or china yeah. or japan they would have much lower rates of faith so you would you think that you would see a correlation in higher possession rates but i guess nobody's there looking for it or they'd probably name it something different in their mind yeah ed and lorraine probably wouldn't you'll see kind of by the end of this that they just yeah, everything just, as specifically what I just said that demons possess those that lack in faith. It's, it's all very, very yeah. like yeah, it's very small minded what they do. And I know maybe that's why I've never been drawn to this just because there seems to be an inherent faith requirement with a lot of this sect of the paranormal. Whereas like alien and Bigfoot sightings very rarely have any interaction with churches. Well, I mean, you find it with religion and I've always asked that with myself that it just, how do I put it? Especially when you're dealing with demons. I don't know. I guess when you look at things, they demons are something that by definition by the church, I guess I've never heard one. Have you heard of demon in another? I guess there's gin, but I don't know that well, gin specifically fits into demon. When I was talking about Aleister Crowley, he used the term, and remember, he liked his different terms, so he used the term daemons with an yeah. A. And daemons were just kind yeah. of all higher beings overall in Greek, because it was more so just like, it was exactly yeah. like the djinn. It's just a different being than ourselves that is at least on our footing or higher, because yeah. they can all be I good mean, or bad. Yeah, I guess it just depends on who's defining this and looking at this, because it's not something that scientifically exists. So it oh, all yeah. depends and that's on a, who's looking at it. That's an entire thing that philosophy has been grasping for since the dawn of it is like what is good and what is bad yeah. it's all very subjective is, especially when it's something that you can't see yeah i mean it's an interesting topic and these ones i find are very small-minded especially where we live in north america we're gonna see it probably defined the most as something going against god i guess because that's a predominant religion i don't know that's okay so we can keep going <laughs> so then 
couple founds the New England Society for Psychic Research in 1952, and it is the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. And the society uses a variety of individuals for their investigations, including medical doctors, researchers, police officers, nurses, members of clergy, etc. They use people from all different sorts of walks to investigate this. And you were asking about their daughter. She actually is, I think she heads this society now okay got to be born into it if not with a partner so she's still involved in exactly there's no other way to get into it i think at this point (laughs) unless should we try sketching houses and trying to get into them you distract (laughs) them and i'll get it go in the back (laughs) oh man if we hadn't just talked about it on stream we would have had the perfect crime how many people are watching this right now (laughs) just one new episode idea (laughs) (laughs) so there are some fairly notable cases that the warrants have investigated if you're not watching this live on twitch i just put quotations with my fingers around investigated claiming to have investigated over ten thousand cases one of the most notable depending on who you're talking to i guess which one is taylor is the amityville haunting which really started it all for the duel in terms of like movies and franchises and such which they really profited so then after they opened this they opened the warren's occult museum have you heard of that I I have, and I believe it's because it has some haunted dolls in it. Yeah, they opened this in 1952, and it did close in 2019. So that's when Lorraine passed away. And it housed books and other relics collected at the sites of investigations that they were apparently attached to some sort of demonic presence. Notice how I say demonic presence. That's specifically how they say these items that were in this museum, that they had a demonic presence attached to them. Quick question. What happened to everything in the museum once it closed? I don't know. The museum used to have a website and I saw it referred to back. I read a lot of old articles on the museum and it referred back to a website that's no longer there. I read a lot of articles about what was in there sourcing the website and it's not there anymore. So I have no idea what happened to those maybe the daughter inherited them or something i feel like we missed an opportunity for like the ultimate foreclosure sale Uh, i don't know also yeah i don't know if you actually want no i want to keep this as hard as it is like as impartial as i can so you can google the reviews on the occult museum (laughs) i'm not gonna really get in one way or another of what was in there and people's thoughts on what was in there but that's the official like sighting of what was kept in that museum from the Warrens. That like most haunted doll in the world was there, was it not? I wouldn't say I... it's the most haunted doll in the world. And that's my next okay. kind of segue here is going to be about that, what you're referring to. I think the most haunted doll is Robert. I think he's in Florida. That's right. That's right. Which I find Robert to be much more creepy than this doll. Now, that's a little bit of history of Ed and Lorraine Warren. I know you're probably thinking, what are the famous cases that the Warrens have done? So these are probably some ones that you've heard about. I know you said you didn't know much about the Warrens, but I thought I'd give you some of their better known cases out there. So the first one is Annabelle, which is the one that you're just citing that was in their museum. And she is 
on, I think she has her own like, pair or two or three of movies in the Conjuring franchise. I think I haven't, have, I, I don't know if I've seen them. So good old Annabelle. So Annabelle is a Raggedy Ann doll. So if you've seen any of these Conjuring movies, she does not look like that. She's a Raggedy Ann doll. And honestly, I thought there would be more to the story that I'm about to share with you about Annabelle. And keep in mind, most of the story, if not all, is given solely by the Warrens. <laughs> not even the owner? To let you know. Yeah, I'm going to find that a lot. You think usually somebody would have reported it haunted. So they would then go investigate it. The only thing that I could find on this at all was literally given by Ed Warren. Okay. So I'm going to continue on with this and then I'll continue on with your other stories and you can do with this knowledge what you might. If you've seen, I think it's The Conjuring or The Conjuring 2. It's not the actual Annabelle. It's the first. Have you seen The Conjuring movies? I have not, no. Really? I really like the first one. Anyhow, there's one where it's at the beginning, I think, and they do a short little clip on Annabelle. It's not anything really to do with the movie, but they actually do a really good job on this kind of story. So in 1968, a nursing student is giving a doll by her mother and the girl brings it home to where she lives with her roommate and the doll begins to act strangely. So things the doll does includes they invited a friend over to sleep for the night and he wakes up and the doll is at his feet staring at him and he can't move, which sounds like classic sleep paralysis. And maybe he has a fear of dolls or something like that. The doll would also switch positions, a leg would cross, or it would be found on its side, or it would be found in another room. And it's also reported that they would find parchment paper notes with things like help me written on them when they didn't have parchment paper. They turn to a psychic for answers who says that it's the spirit of a young girl named Annabelle Higgins. This is just some some psychic off the street, possibly selling her artwork of haunted houses. And that's just who showed up first at the house to investigate. Classic, um, classic so, con. It's, yeah, exactly. And it's not something you really get with the door-to-door salesman anymore with COVID. <laughs> Somehow the Warrens hear about this. The Warrens really have their ears open for all things ghosts. They contact the girls. Might have been a painting and went in there. So they say, they say, this is a demon manipulating the doll and it's looking for a human host. And they take the doll after saying it's a demon and they lock it up in their occult museum behind glass to encase the evil spirit. That's about as much as I could get on this story. Again, all relayed by Ed Warren. And on the drive home... The story goes that they had to stop to sprinkle holy water on Annabelle because she was making shit crazy. And that's just my quote, not Ed's quote directly. I had to like pizzazz it up a bit. And <laughs> there's actually no account that I could find of what happened here. So either something happened or nothing happened, but the holy water was required or probably not required because like literally none of this is cooperated by anyone. <laughs> they just have a doll behind glass. Oh. Ed also told the story of a couple who visited the museum. They made fun of Annabelle while they're there and on the way home on their motorcycle, they're like laughing about how stupid Annabelle was and they get in a motorcycle accident leaving the occult museum. And I think one died. But again, no account of this ever happening. Also, can I just share something really quick? Hmm. This was the encasement it was in. <laughs> yeah, quite unsettling. Yeah, it? also... That's You're a demon looking at containment pure box. 
a demon containment box. But also it doesn't contain the bad luck of the demon. Just like everything else. Now, is that a tarot card on on it? it? Yeah, it looks like there's two tarot cards on there. And it says at the very top, danger, do not touch anything. It's a, it's... Have you ever seen those like um, community libraries where somebody will set up like it's like a, a larger birdhouse? With oh, a glass oh, it door. does look like that. It looks like a community it. library. And there is a Raggedy Ann doll stuffed in the middle with its smiling face on the door handle. Yeah, it's almost there not is big a enough. Tarot card. And on the bottom of the glass, it says warning with the ING underlined. And then it says positively do not. Not Which what? I don't think, I don't think the next word would be touch because above it says danger, do not touch anything. So why would they give you a more specific danger about touching? I think they're just reinforcing do not touch anything. Do not. Danger, warning, positively do not. Yeah. Okay. So you think that, it. okay. Okay. Don't do the bad thing. I don't know. That's just me being an English language okay. speaker interpreting that. <laughs> But my okay. question was, looking at that, do you think it actually locks or do you think it's just a magnet holding it shut? I don't even think there's a magnet. I would at least like to see one of those like latch hooks that like keeps the libraries closed. But no, not even that. Also, did he ever confirm why he didn't like you bring up, just burn it? You bring up a very good point, actually. And it's one that I didn't think of. And it's obviously because they needed to charge admission for people to see this in their museum. Okay. They just had this bird feeder that was sitting blank. (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to bias this. But I mean, with that information, they could have just destroyed that. If it was that big of a threat to them. Yeah. Demonologists. Um, Instead, they charged admission to see it. And at least potentially put people at risk possibly two motorcyclists but we can't <laughs> confirm that funny thing is he tells that as a part of the annabelle story yet there's no liability on him for not destroying that doll yeah there's a old case in i forget most of the info but basically if you're selling a house you don't actually have to disclose if it's haunted somebody somebody bought a haunted house and it came out later on that like they kept hearing creaks and whatnot and they sued the original owner for not disclosing that it was haunted when they're like is there anything we should know about the house and the courts decided that that's not actually something you have to disclose when you're selling a house it's only certain states though because i think there's certain states where you no, actually that, have sorry, to that was in canada so that's I, all of canada i could not tell you what say? the state's rules are yes in canada you do not have to listen say. to and enough sorry, do that not take sure this, it varies by state do not take this as legal fact this is just a fun anecdote and if you are selling a haunted house do not just rely on journey to the fringe for your due diligence yeah please hashtag don't use us for legal things legal stuff yeah. we're not a legal stuff podcast we, dms will give you the name of somebody uh, <laughs> off the record <laughs> no someone that's gonna get so much business okay so that's annabelle so it's getting interesting do you say they really needed to finish off their display with something that is for sure i think annabelle was the occult museum's like Draw. I don't know okay. what's draw. Is that the thing? Yeah, star it's on draw. the Christmas tree. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's all I got right now. Okay, so 
Well, the next one is the Perrin family. Oh, this one is the original Conjuring. I really like this one. And I do actually own the book written by Andrea Perrin, who was one of the children that were in the house. So it's a family of five, and Andrea is one of the children. I haven't actually read this because I've been really scared to read it. It's actually a pretty intense haunting. I've only read a couple of chapters. I do kind of want to go back and read it now that I've kind of done a little bit of research on this one. This one is corroborated a little bit by somebody. Like I said, this was a case on the original Conjuring movie, which is really good, like I said. Taking place in Harrisville, Rhode Island, when the Perrin family moves into a farmhouse in 1970 that is allegedly haunted by many different entities. Family of Five lives there for 10 years. And if you've ever seen the movie, Andrea Perrin does say that the movie is not based on her book. They're the stories Lorraine and Andrea shared with the movie studio. So they took them and kind of put them together and did with it what they would. And Perrin says that the movie doesn't use any one singular scene that she had conveyed to them. Rather, it combines bits and pieces and some were straight up made up, as you would suspect with a movie that's based on a true story. Now, one thing that happens in the movie, if you've seen it, spoiler alert, is an exorcism, which never actually happened. Rather, a seance did take place in which the Warrens brought in a medium, which conjured up a spirit that attacked Carolyn Perrin. So Carolyn's the mother and threw her into the other room. And Andrea Perrin has said that this was the most terrifying night of her life. So the movie just kind of ran with it. It was really good. There's a lot of jumpy parts. It's a really good, scary movie. This particular encounter... And this is a party other than Ed and Lorraine saying this info. Like somebody else is actually confirming this happened outside of Ed. Okay. So this one does, yes. Andrea Perrin has written, I think, a few books on this and speaks openly about it there are people in her family that will not speak about anything in regards to this haunting and she does have a few books so yeah this one is i wouldn't say necessarily cooperating she has a book and she has her own view on it i think lorraine kind of has another thing in regards to it so with the seance that took place this particular encounter took a long time for carolyn to come out of the condition that she was in and andrea speculates that it's most likely because she had a concussion and was drained after the experience with the seance. So she very well could have been possessed. I mean, this also resulted in a dark presence being attached to Carolyn. The dark presence attached to Carolyn was thought to be that of someone named Bathsheba Sherman who lived around the home in the early 1800s. Rain was convinced that the demonic presence in the house that was the dark entity attached to Carolyn was that of Bathsheba after Carolyn had relayed a story to Ed and Lorraine that she was laying on the couch one day and out of nowhere she had felt a pain in her calf and the muscle began to spasm. Carolyn noticed a wound with blood and notices a perfectly concentric circle where this wound is and Lorraine is convinced that Bathsheba took a knitting needle to the grave to use it to stab Carolyn. And from there on out, Bathsheba was the demonic presence in the Perrin house. So wait, so, she, she lived a long time ago, like over 100 years before this event, knew she was going to die and said, I'm going to hide this so that nobody can find it when I die. And it will be buried with me to stab people with. One in particular who lives yeah. on the farm over in about 150 years. 
Yeah. So the thing with Bathsheba, and I set this up wrong, so I'm going to do my best to fix what I've done. Bathsheba was said to be a witch. And the reason that she was said to be a witch was because she had an infant die in her care and she was charged with manslaughter. So obviously in the 1800s, the rumors are going to go crazy once that happens. This is where she got the idea behind her that she was a witch because people are going to speculate, especially at that time, if an infant dies in your care, right? So that she was a witch. Another rumor included that she sacrificed the infant for a satanic sacrifice. There's no ties to Bathsheba being a witch. It's only local legend. So she's charged with manslaughter. However, due to insufficient evidence, the charges were dropped by the court and she was found innocent it doesn't i don't know it said it she was found innocent however the charges were just dropped it never actually found her innocent so just with all of the speculation of her i mean local legend goes that she was a witch okay um because of so one accusation okay because of an accusation yeah so there is and this again is a rumor but when the baby was examined it was determined that the wound that caused the infant's death was caused by a large sewing needle that had been impaled at the base of the child's skull however again charges were dropped that's only legend especially with the witch and everything is there so, anybody else outside of lorraine that says this legend Okay. So this is local legend because this is something that was, it's the 1800s. So they still have newspaper and stuff like that. So you can go back in. They were using like census. Censuses to do their research. Is that the proper plural for a census? They were doing their research. Lorraine is known for going back through records and researching things quite a bit. Lorraine took this and ran with it. So like I said, Bathsheba didn't even live at the property that they lived on, but she did the research of the area. She found an evil present. She saw this knitting needle with the child's skull and that's where Bathsheba comes from is Lorraine. So the weird thing about like, and you're probably thinking about this right now, you see Annabelle, you see the parents and then you're looking at the Warrens and <laughs> like, what the hell? Warrens, like they're just, they take these stories and they just like do the research they link something a little bit and then they just like run with it that's kind of the warren's influence on the conjuring and the parent case however i did want to mention with the andrea perrin's book house of darkness house of light i thought that i would go through it a couple of their actual haunting experiences there, coming from the parents not from the warrens at all so why the warrens grasp on to Bathsheba, i have no idea because the actual house itself has a pretty dark history. It was host to eight generations of one extended family that inhabited the house prior to the parents' arrival. That's a lot, eight generations. It was also the site of two suicides by hanging, one suicide by poison, the rape and murder of an 11-year-old girl, two drownings, and the passing of four men who froze to death, in addition to other tragic losses of life. So there was quite a lot of death at this property. Andrea says that she had always considered the house a portal to the past and the future. There were many different spirits that were said to materialize. Some would only make their present known when company was around by making loud noises. So this was only in the presence of when people came over. So another weird one is that a dog, a child, and a man 
would appear at the top of their staircase and stare at a wall like they were looking out a window, never looking or making eye contact with any of the residents of the home. If they were around or anything, they showed up quite a bit. Youngest of the siblings made a friend with Oliver Richardson, who lived in her closet, and she kept her friend a secret from the Warrens, and she was friends with Oliver, so she didn't want him to disappear, which is why she didn't tell the Warrens about him, or else they would have made up some crazy story about Oliver. Andrea Perrin reported a spirit who was the spitting image of herself as an old woman dressed in 17th century attire, and Carolyn, who was the mom, spotted two men seated in the dining room. Once the men had noticed Carolyn's presence, one man sitting at the table got the other man's attention and pointed at her watching them. So they're really kind of crazy ghost stories, which I was reading those and I was like, oh, I should read that book. I was just a little bit scared after watching The Conjuring, but it's a horror movie. So of course it's going to be scary. But you know imagination when you're reading a scary story. Sometimes they're yeah. really bad. Another case is The Snedeker House, which is a movie, A Haunting in Connecticut. Have you ever seen that one? I have heard of it, but I am not as well-versed in my horror lore as you are. So I'm the same. I actually... I actually haven't seen it either. I've heard of it. The Snedeker House is a haunting in Connecticut. There's also a book called In a Dark Place, The Story of a True Haunting. This one was really surprising to me. The background behind the Snedeker house is that this is a house in Southington, Connecticut. So they're all like situated in the same place where they're from. The house was at one time a funeral home. The family of five rents the house in 1986. To their surprise, they're very surprised about this. They had no idea. They find mortician tools in their basement. And soon enough, the family starts reporting sexual attacks by ghosts, apparitions, visions, and they also claim their son was experiencing violent personality changes. So this is after they come to discover a funeral home in their basement to which they never saw it was hidden. One of the famous stories of this is that one day as Carmen, the mother mopped the floor, the water turned blood red and smelled of decaying flesh, which to me, I mean, that could be like rust. Yeah. Did they not know they had a basement or was it like a secret room in the basement that they didn't know about? Their story, and I haven't read the book, I don't know the movie. Their story is that they had no idea that this was in the basement. I don't know how, why, where, if they never went down, if it was blocked off. But their story was that they had no idea it was used as a funeral home at one time. Hmm. So 1986, old Ed and Lorraine Warren are sketching haunted houses outside. I don't actually know how it happened. And happens. they're getting old too. Like they're in their 60s at this point. Yeah. They show up and they proclaim that the house, a formal funeral home, was infested with demons. And that's, I don't know, it's probably more to the movies than this, but that's basically what happens. Ray Garrett Garton comes along, who is a horror author hired by the Warrens to write about the house. And <laughs> just listen, like, I can't, I'm just like, the more you learn about this, I'm just like, what? So he's hired by the Warrens to write about this house. And Ray Garton specifically speaks about receiving conflicting reports, lack of contact with the family, and presenting Ed with a problem about the story. Ed says, okay, this is a quote from Ray Garton. Oh, they're crazy. You've got some of the story. Just use what works and make the rest up. Just make it up and make it scary. Ed says to this guy. 
Ray also speaks out about the family's involvement, which was going through serious problems like addiction with drugs and alcohol and people involved telling different stories. So there's that. There is specific reports saying there's no way the family didn't know that there wasn't a funeral home in that house. One of the children was battling, believe it was some sort of cancer. This is a family that had a lot of problems, didn't have a lot of money. It's also claimed by Carmen Snedeker that she had never been informed that the house was once a funeral home, like I said, and is widely disputed as the former owner and neighbor said that she was fully aware that this house was a funeral home also why is why are demons attracted to funeral homes um i just it maybe it's something that the catholic church likes to say but <laughs> again this is something that you see with ed and lorraine warren literally everything is a demon there's no ghosts or anything like that literally everything is a demon so okay. i don't know because it's ed and lorraine warren i guess <laughs> I just, I don't understand why a demon would go to, like, there's not a lot of bodies to possess. And as far as I know, they don't eat bodies. Might be the same as, like, people thinking that graveyards are really haunted because there's bodies there, maybe, but there's no bodies in a funeral home. Maybe it's just the amount of dead bodies that are only there for a really short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's just a funny thing that people have with things like that, I guess. When it involves dead bodies, generally people think that that's where the ghost is going to be. But that just, I first off, that's ghosts we're talking about. That's a different thing than what Ed and Lorraine Warren say that everything is. So they're they're just on a different path. I guess this is as good as mine because we don't know the actual science of where the demons oh, go. Demons love, <laughs> demons love formaldehyde. That's probably what it is. That is probably what it, but it's no longer a funeral home. So there might not be anymore. No, but maybe there was some residues of formaldehyde on the ground, or they think that formaldehyde is like a natural occurring substance. Just that like it. just yeah. comes back over time and they had used too much. And also there's formaldehyde in graveyards. So is there it, we oh go. Oh yeah. Cause the bodies. Okay. We got yeah. our, there we go. Okay. Demons we love formaldehyde. It Cracked it. Okay. So it's also been alluded to, trying to keep it as neutral as I can, that the Warrens took advantage of a family going through a really hard time with substance abuse and sexual abuse going on as well. As you see in most of their cases, when they get involved with those close to losing houses or down on their luck, you see it reoccurring in their cases. It does get pretty dark in the fact that they were claiming sexual attacks from these ghosts when there's speculation that it is actually just abuse within the family so it's actually a pretty dark case when you get down to yeah, it yeah and especially if you're a kid and this is happening mm-hmm. to you either you're going to brush it off as something that's not like it mm-hmm. couldn't be a family member or you're specifically told not to tell anybody and there's marks and people are asking questions. Yeah, especially when you look at them going through one of the children had a form of cancer. They obviously moved into a house that was a funeral home. And then they said they had no knowledge. So maybe it was just cheaper rent or something that they could live there. Just all signs point to being taken advantage of. And they profited out of it, both the Warrens and the Snedeker family. And they do have a franchise 
in that in itself as well a book and a movie so next one is the famous Amityville horror this is the one that I heard that there's a lot of controversy about the Warrens so probably one of the most infamous of the Warren cases this one's been around forever I remember watching this one when I was a kid so this one is based on the paranormal experiences kind of of the Lutz family it was majorly capitalized on and probably one of the first horror movies that I can recall other than Ernest Scared Stupid which I actually talk about quite a bit or the brave yeah. little toaster. <laughs> also, I think Ernest Scared Stupid came out a little later than Amityville. Yeah. <laughs> But they're one and the same. Yeah. So the original book was published in September 1977 and many movies to come after starting in 1979 and even made its way into the second Conjuring movie. And it is in itself a multi-million dollar franchise. There is even one with, was it Ryan Reynolds? I think they remade it. I think it um, is probably a little while ago, but they remade it. And I think it's Ryan Reynolds that's in it. It was in the 2010s for sure, though. I think they did that. It was. It's newer. I remember watching it but it was a while ago now. This one, if you need a refresher on the Amityville, because I'm assuming everyone's seen it. Sorry, 2005, one... the Ryan Reynolds remake. Okay, so that was around the one, what one were we just talking about? 2006. That's when Ed died. Amityville, the house, set at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. And the story starts with Ronald DeFeo Jr. And he kills both of his parents and his four siblings while they were asleep. And DeFeo is eventually, just to skim over this, DeFeo eventually is sentenced to 25 years to life and he dies in custody. So then the Lutz family moves into the house where this all occurs and they flee the house after 29 days claiming paranormal phenomena drove them out. So that part I just said is all true. Every word. The Lutz family claims of sightings of demons, objects moving on their own, slime pouring out of the walls, fly infestations in the middle of winter, demonic voices, and being attacked by unseen forces. All of that is widely disputed. That just, doesn't it just sound like somebody that's just like, if I were a demon and I wanted to say a demon was here, this is what I think it would do. Does, do those things actually happen? Slime pouring out of walls? I have seen bee infestations in walls. And if you have a bee infestation, yeah. you can actually have honey leaking out of the walls, which is a very close consistency to slime. Oh, it sounds delicious, but I wouldn't want a bee infestation. Not not quite you as don't scary have that, as do it you? No. Okay, good, because you've seen it, so I'm not sure where you've been. <laughs> I have been yeah. on Reddit. So there are many controversies in the Amityville horror, including, so in the movie, there's a priest that's involved in the whole thing. Cannot tell you exactly where the priest was involved now. I cannot remember. But actual priest that was involved in this, if you would like to call it involved, was only by a phone call and that was it. So he was never actually called there or anything like that. And why would they need a priest? Because Ed Warren is a self-proclaimed professional demonologist and he was involved so the let's report damages to their locks doors and windows and the owners who moved in right after them claim all were in original state unharmed and in perfect condition did they contact the warrens before that 29 days and they moved out or after after the warrens okay. weren't actually consulted at all by the family okay while they were there or after they go in and they do a brief investigation. Go figure. I don't know. And it's at that point they call the priest. Okay. No, no, no. The Lutzes briefly gave a phone call to a priest. 
while they were there in that 29 days. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Warrens didn't call the priest or anything like that because Ed Warren's a demonologist. Why would he need a priest? Fair. Is his own priest? I don't know. He's got a supply of holy water somewhere that they can just spray on dolls willy-nilly. There is actually no reference at all in everything that I've read to them consulting with anyone in the church. Now that you say that. Huh. The church does say, yes, he's a demonologist, and we Support like him that. doing that, I guess. Yeah. This is fine. Keep on doing what you do. Thumbs up and a wink. Granted, everything that we've been seeing going on with the Catholic Church for thousands of years doesn't seem Yeah, they'll, they'll condone a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and mean, we will just leave that at that for now. Saying that Ed Warren is, yes, certified by the Catholic religion, I mean, that's the least of their worries, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> They've done worse. We can deal with that one when we get to it. Yeah, that's fine. Sure, whatever. Records also show that the Lutz family did not ever call the police once during their stay in the home, which apparently they did. I didn't have time to read the book or watch the movie before I'm talking about this. So I'm assuming that, that one of those says they called the police. House being built on a site where local Shinnecock Indians mentally ill and dying was rejected by local First Nation leaders did not happen owners since the Lutz family have also reported nothing out of the ordinary one of the sons does speak about this Christopher Quarantino which I like his last name I feel like that's what we've all been Very doing kidding. the last year <laughs> Quarantino he claims that the little activity that did happen was linked to George Lutz and his occult rituals. And he does say that most was greatly exaggerated and that George was a showman and took advantage. And basically, nothing in the books and the movies is true. With that being said, Christopher does recount seeing a shadowy figure in the shape of a man move towards him only to dissipate. However, he does contribute this to his stepfather being involved in the occult. So those are some notable cases. Most of them have all been capitalized on now. This is just a brief summary of a few of them, kind of what they're about, what has come of them. Most of them multi-million dollar franchises. Um, I would like to give a notable mention to the Enfield Haunting, which I think does come up in one of the Conjuring movies. I don't know that I've seen it come up in one of the Conjuring movies. This is in the, the Warren universe of the Conjuring movies to which they're all associated with. However, I actually found this quite funny because the only reason that they're tied to this case is because they showed up, they heard about this haunting and it was covered quite a bit by the media. It's a poltergeist case in the United Kingdom with a bunch of adolescent girls, which did actually fit the bill for the warrants to take advantage of because it was a single mom and they were well off by any means. So anyhow, Ed and Lorraine hear about this and they show up uninvited and they were refused admittance to the home. They had nothing to do with it other than just showing up there and being told to get out of here. Yet their name is tied to it somehow and it shows up in their Conjuring movies and they're still making money off of it. I'd also like to mention as I went through with them and I made mention going through them that the Lutz family, the Snedeker family and the Warrens made a lot of money from the franchises that came from their stories, like a lot of money. And they're making even more now with 
not only the books which came out a long time ago but now they're making the conjuring movies yeah so those are my stories and i'll let you be the judge on ed and lorraine warren however if i may give my two cents on this one which i try to remain impartial but this is our podcast and i feel like i can <laughs> put my you two can never cents on yeah it if I you would. can never keep your <laughs> views out of it you can just try to give the info as unbiased uh, as possible i tried to on those ones and that's what it is but now it's my part so it definitely seemed to take advantage and they strong arm their ways into situations. They research rather than using any sort of purported psychic abilities, generalizing yeah, everything to be demonic. You did bring up Lorraine is a psychic, yet like a lot of the stories have nothing to do with psychic abilities. Oh, no, and like in my see- research, and I could be wrong because I researched their most well-known cases. More than anything that came up, literally no psychic abilities were ever mentioned. It was all Lorraine researched. Well, the only was thing a I good can researcher. Think of is the uh, seance that happened in the... Wasn't um, her. Oh, okay. It wasn't the one doing the seance. They brought in a psychic. Really? <laughs> So other than that, there is no mention of psychic abilities. It was her research. That's where Bathsheba came from with the parents. That's where basically anything came from. And I don't know if I mentioned it. So when Ed would do the paintings of the houses, Lorraine would research all about the houses, everything going on there. So then they would take the painting and Ed and Lorraine would go to get entry into these houses and she would know all about this house and the history of the house. They also generalized everything to be demonic. It was literally never anything else other than demonic, whether it fits or not. And it was really Ed more than anything. I don't know about Lorraine. She just seems to do research. But Ed really just seemed to make things up to capitalize on things. And that's what I got from all of that. You said that they had over 10,000 hauntings they investigated. How long was their career? So that would have gone from... Like 1951, let's say, to about... What would you um, consider the start of their career? Like when he started drawing the haunted houses? I don't know. I'm just trying to... How many days they would spend on average towards a case? I don't know about that specifically. Okay, so they found the New England Society for Psychic Research in 1952. Okay, so let's just kind of put that... would be a good starting point, point. right? What would be the end? They they did it until they died. Okay, so like 20. She passed away 2019. He passed away 2006. Okay, well, let's say as a couple, let's just cap that at 60 years. That puts them at uh, about 160 cases per year. And let's say that they're probably dropping off in their 70s and 80s. So let's say that all 10,000 happened in. 50 years just for ease of this thing. You know what? I would even probably put it at less because once they started getting out there and they started doing TV shows and stuff like that, well... Yeah. yeah. So that means they were doing 200 cases a year. And that's like... And especially if you're traveling for some of them. Yeah. That's... You have 365 days in a year. You got two... Around two days to spend on an investigation. Maybe if there's like a row of houses that are all haunted you can hit off a couple in a couple days but that's generally not how hauntings work as far as i'm concerned maybe maybe and, it is as far as they're concerned yeah and then there's <laughs> and also who cases- knows what they're actually counting towards it because i mean i don't know if they officially all the enfield haunting something they investigated but they had nothing to do with it yeah 
But they flew out there, and that's going to be at least two days. I can't say that if that was me and I took the time to fly out there and I got rejected, I'd probably count it too. <laughs> well, you have to. It's a business expense. <laughs> exactly. Maybe they were just taking a vacation and they looked up any cases that were going on nearby. True, so they could deduct it. Okay. Just really smart um, businessmen. Chelsea, do you have any last words? I'd heard a lot of controversy about them. I didn't you know understand. that it was to this extent. I was happy to hear it. I mean, they do make for good, scary movies. But I also, it bothers me that they've capitalized so much, not only out of things that they just blatantly made up. But I, yeah. I do have one last thing I would like to share. Okay. Just before we get out of here. Okay. Eventually, they took the do not touch sign yes. off of Annabelle, but they left the warning positively do not sign on. <laughs> what? Yeah, it said danger, don't touch anything at the very top instead they took that off because i guess it was covering up a cross and that's probably blasphemous so there's just a cross at the top of this communal library and a sign at the bottom that says just says warning positively do not i mean that's very open for interpretation very open yeah. much like the warrens I guess it is okay. symbolizing <laughs> the amount of effort they could possibly put into any one thing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they probably had to run off for their next investigation. Well, that was very eye-opening, Chelsea. Thank you for that. I did not foresee this amount of just like brazen actions on the behalf of no. one party. Why are they so popular? But Why are they? They're brought in on so many TV shows like I watched as the experts. And I don't find there to be anything that's so expert about them. I mean, they did open though the society. And the society didn't really get brought up much after that either. No, by me though. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It is still a thing. Yeah, but thank you to everybody who's been watching. And if you have a haunted house that you would like us to paint and research and open oh. an expense account for Journey to the Fringe so that we may travel there, tax deductible. We could do many please. things. We could write a horror novel for you we could paint your house that might be it that might be it oh one last question did he ever mention which demons or was it just yeah demons i think it was just demons except for that one that was Bathsheba. that was just a poor but Bathsheba wasn't even a demon she, yeah oh she wasn't and that brings up a good point she was actually a person not a demon yeah and she at worst was just a person that did a really bad thing not a demon. At best, she was a person that got convicted of something that she didn't do. Yeah. So then not a demon either. Okay. Well, we'll leave you on that note. Uh, we have not picked the <laughs> next topic for our next episode. We'll be talking about that in the coming days. In the meantime, if you have a haunted house for us to do an artistic interpretation in some kind about, oh, whether like it's through dance or symbolism, yeah, we will figure it out. Please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com com and we'll figure it out from there in the meantime we have been your beloved hosts of journey to the fringe and we'll see you next time it's always a pleasure and waving goodbye thank you for listening to journey to the fringe uh, we are a new podcast and we would very much so appreciate if you could like subscribe share and if possible provide a five-star review or some sort of feedback if you feel like there's anything we could be doing better but five-star review is the best thing you can do for us as it does help unfortunately in the world of algorithms yes
please and thank you. And you can follow us on social media at Journey to the Fringe. We don't have all of them, so try searching it. Instagram, we're on Facebook. Right now we have a subreddit. And if there's anything you want to hear in the future, feedback, anything, you can email us at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. If there's something we're missing but, uh, that you'd like to see us on, please let us know. We only know what we know. So we're only and in so many places. Also, if you feel that we have gotten anything wrong, please let us know there as well, as we would really like to have the best information possible. We are mm-hmm. only as good as our research. And if you can provide anything further, it's a real help. Or if you want to share anything, we yes. will definitely, we're open to shares. So yes, thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.